Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I had uh, three conversations with my grandmother and two conversations with my father um, before he stopped taking my calls. Even worse, he'd respond to texts with, New mobile, whom is this? <laughs> <laughs> That's dumb. <laughs> Make me laugh, though. My mobile is ringing. Don't we have something charming about Jimmy Fallon up here? Yeah. yeah. We also got uh, number three, which I, lo- I really like, well, too. Well, we'll get to that at some point. How about four? Let me four here. I was lucky enough to be in the live studio audience of the Jimmy Fallon show. And during the commercial break, he came right up to me and my friends and had a whole conversation with us. We're all college kids and communications majors. So he just talked to us about that and gave us some like genuine advice and how he kind of got to be where he is today. He seemed very genuine, and at a time when a lot of talk show hosts and late-night hosts have rumors about them being really mean behind the scenes, it was really refreshing to have that experience with him. Jerry Seinfeld, who's close friends with Jimmy Fallon, says Jimmy Fallon's the most normal person he knows in show business. Hmm. What's that clip from? I don't know. It's labeled as Celebrities Being Cool. Is that a feature on somebody's show, Sean, or what is that? Michael? Anybody? No, it's just on the website, actually. It's on a website. Yeah, just some stories about uh, celebrities being cool to people. That's like uh, clip three there was Robert Downey Jr. Well, we got one more. We might as well do it while we're on a roll. And then I'm going to get not? into dismal economics. So I used to work at this like really high-end clothing store. Robert Downey Jr. came in one year to Christmas shop. He was wearing this really cool jacket. So I was like, oh, my God, that jacket, it's amazing. And he was like, oh, thank you so much. It's like the first time I've worn it. Fast forward, he finishes shopping and everything, and we're helping him out to his car. And he takes the jacket off, and he gives it to me, and he says, Merry Christmas, and this is it. And I have Robert Downey Jr.'s jacket. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm 270 pounds, so <laughs> right, I'm right. going to wear it as a scarf. <laughs> if I weigh 145, that'd be an awesome jacket. Yeah. <laughs> that's nice, though. That's that's nice. That is good. So I mentioned a little of this yesterday. I wanted to do more of it because I thought it was so interesting. <laughs> I hope someday to make it to minor celebrities were kind of nice to me. You know? The economics columnist for the Washington Post, who's been there for 33 years... Stepped down over the weekend because the time has passed him by, he says, in a variety of ways, in that he would look at these things as an economist and never think about whether this helps the Republicans or the Democrats or any of that. That never crossed his mind, and now that's the only thing you do, and that's the only thing they want, and he just realizes that he's not the right guy for the job anymore. As a guy who reads the news and political coverage every day in the WAPO, it has changed so quickly, yeah. so much. It, it really it's has. all editorial now. Yeah, his, his the, the, well, I'll read you one of his final paragraphs in his long goodbye after thirty some years is writing. I mean, you're the you're the guy who writes economics for the Washington Post. That's a for the last thirty years. That was a big deal. It's a much smaller deal now, but you know, pre social media and internet, everything that was a big deal. And he's leaving voluntarily just because the world has passed him by. And his final paragraph is, What is equally disappointing is the performance of my colleagues in media who relentlessly and heroically exposed lies and exaggeration and false narratives of the Trump era, but have suddenly lost their critical eye. That was pretty good and a pretty good blast for other people in his own newspaper. Uh But I'll read a little from the beginning. And this has got more to do with the economics of our time than the coverage of our time. Welcome, fellow Americans, to the era of the free lunch. 
To hear it from liberal economists, progressive activists, and Democratic politicians, there's no longer any limit to how much money government can borrow and spend and print. In this new economy, we no longer have to worry that stock prices might climb so high or companies might take on so much debt that a financial crisis might ensue. In this world, without trade-offs, we can shut down the fossil fuel industry and transition to a zero-carbon economy without any risk to employment and economic growth. Nor is there any amount of infrastructure investment that could possibly exceed the capacity of the construction industry to absorb it. Benefits are blah, blah, blah. Um, and he goes on and on like that with uh, the sarcasm. So party on, progressive dudes. Worries about debt and inflation are just another 20th century or just so 20th century, the figments of now-discredited neoliberal imagination. We've entered a magical world where borrowing is costless, spending pays for itself, stocks only rise, and the dollar never falls. In this economic paradise, government mandarins can fine-tune the economy to prevent inflation and unemployment, while economic, racial, environmental, and social justice can be achieved without any painful trade-offs. Wow, that's really good. Yeah. Government, politics, economics is all about trade-offs, always, always, always. And anybody who doesn't tell you what you're trading is is a liar. He gets into some specifics. It's a long column. I suppose the Washington Post said, hey, you know, you're one of our legends of our newspaper. You get to write a long column to say goodbye. Go ahead, boomer. But he gets into some of the specifics. What you never hear from supporters of a $15 hour minimum wage is where the money will come from to give the hefty pay raises. As much as 100% to 27 million American workers, one in every six. While a bit may come from higher worker productivity, most of the tab will be paid for by consumers in the form of higher prices, fellow employees in the form of lower raises, and business owners in the form of lower profits. This is not just redistribution of income from the top 1%. It's just redistribution from everyone else. There's nothing magic, by the way, about $15. It's nothing more than a stretch goal chosen by grassroots labor organizers. If our goal is to restore the minimum wage to the purchasing power it had during the golden years of the 60s and 70s, then the right number would be something closer to $11 an hour. My purpose in walking through this analysis is to point out that this is the kind of discussion that the country and Congress should be having at this moment and that many of us hoped would happen with the arrival of a moderate deal-making president. But it hasn't happened. Wow, that's really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and he's right. The, they, they, they tried to jam in, the, and luckily that failed, the $15 minimum wage. And I think that's because of one person, Joe Manchin, wouldn't go along with that. Senator from Virginia, so that got taken out. But as uh, personally well, saying uh, there, I was just going to say, if Joe Manchin represented a higher cost of living, higher wage state, it probably would have passed. Good point. Um, but as the economist is pointing out there, like a couple of other things that we've talked about in recent days, this is the sort of change that d- d- deserves months of conversation and op-eds and economic forums and cable news shows and all that sort of stuff. Sure, yeah, and people talking about it in the grocery store aisles, it's so big. Not jam it into this thing and it passes and all of a sudden we got a $15 na- national minimum wage, for crying out loud, or any of the other things that are in there. But they are in there and they're going to pass and uh, the deal is done. Mm. Well, the minimum wage is not, thank goodness, because that would have ended millions of businesses. But this old economist for the Washington Post, not exactly a uh, lefty, says time has passed him by. Nobody's interested in having the discussions and only from a partisan angle. I don't know how this is going to turn out, man. (laughs) I just I don't know if we'll get our bearings. How long will this 
reshuffling of things last before we find some equilibrium where where we actually discuss policies not just entrenched in our own camps. Will that ever happen? Will it take decades? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know exactly how we get out of it. The, the expression amusing ourselves to death, I think, is appropriate. We're certainly amusing ourselves to ignorance. Uh, but there are so many bread and circuses available, so much bread, so many circuses, that nobody's paying attention to the most significant legislation in generations. Man, when I go to the circus, I like a good slice of bread. Oh, yeah, you get a baguette on the way to your seat, then watch the elephants cavort. Of course, they don't let elephants cavort anymore, do they? No. That's why you got to go to the French circus with the people spinning about. No animals. No animals were harmed in the making of this French circus. Go to the French laundry and then the French circus. Sounds like a good time. We went to the Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey the last two tours it made with my kids. Loved it. Hardly anybody there, though. Really? Yeah, very. Uh, yeah, I bought front row seat, seats day of the second time we went. <laughs> I mean, mm, was that pre-COVID, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so one, it wasn't just the abuse of animals that they went out of business. Just, I guess modern kids don't want to go to the circus. My kids loved it, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, so the world's crumbling. That's the point. Yes, it doesn't bother people that the guy that's written economics for the Washington Post for thirty years is leaving because they only want partisan spin. Nobody knows it. Nobody knows that's happened. Virtually nobody. That's every news thing, though. Like, he's not telling me anything I don't know. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. How many people know what's in the bill, the big bill? I mean, even have a vague idea. He is saying it shouldn't be that way, though, and that there's a real big downside to it. Agreed. The fact that nobody's interested in that is what's amazing to me. Play the OK Boomer tape, Michael. Play it. Play it. It's not I lack of interest. It's an understanding of I don't know how to switch it. I lean. Well, exactly. I'm I'm a right leaning guy. It's obvious if you listen. But I don't want just right wing versions of a story. I want to no. know what you know. I want to hear the whole thing. I want to know if there's if there's an upside to freedom and me of raising the minimum wage. I want to hear it. OK, Boomer. I don't want you to hide it. Well, right. What does this cost? What am I trading? Just a smart person wants to know that. Exactly. And if it takes a lefty to point that out, okay, fair enough. No, no, no. What team am I on, and are we winning? That's modern politics. And And am I getting a check? And what does Trump think of it? Or what did Trump think of it? Which plays into the border and a whole bunch of other things. Anyway, text line 415-295-KFTC. Park your Kia outside, and we'll be back in a moment. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty. And I know personally how hard it is to not just voice it, but when you voice it, to be told no. And so I went to Human Resources. Hold up. You're saying Buckingham Palace has HR? How long has that been around? Because you would think someone in Human Resources might have stepped in to tell Henry VIII that chopping off your wife's head could be interpreted as a hostile work environment. Amazing how much coverage of the Royals interview with Oprah Winfrey, which, as we mentioned earlier, 
it was figured out, no, they didn't specifically get paid for the interview, but Oprah Winfrey mentioned several of their websites and businesses, and with 20-some million people watching, that had a value of millions of dollars of free advertisement for their business. Oh, so they did, they did it for plugs. Plugs, yeah. Yeah. Wow. She's wow. also tied in with Megan's Coffee something or other, so they're kind of business partners to a certain extent. Megan has a coffee thing? She has I some, know nothing something, about this. No, well, neither do I, and I don't want to. I'm not going to look into yeah. it. And if I'm yeah. wrong, I don't care. But um, so yeah, Oprah and her are somehow involved in the in the coffee together. And um, so, you know, how hard-hitting follow-ups are you going to get from some of your business partners with? You know, uh, Prince Henry there. Uh, what's his name? William. Prince Andrew. Prince William. William? No, William's William the other one. This one's Harry. Harry, Harry, Harry here. That's right. And again, with no disrespect, combat veteran, decorated helicopter pilot. I respect him very much as a man. He's got to do like a uh, one of your seltzers, but with a more hard-assed uh, image. You know? Uh, um, chopper brand. That's pretty good. Oh, by the way, just because it popped into my head. <clears throat> I watched a little bit of Outpost last night on Netflix. Have you seen any of that? Do not know that one. Um, it was a movie made about one of our ridiculous outposts in Afghanistan, hmm. where they're out in the middle of nowhere waiting to get killed by Taliban to protect some rocks. For Which a were, of years. six weeks later, uh, declared non-strategic rocks and abandoned. Right, and... Um, and it's it's based on uh, uh, books and articles that were written and everything like that. And it's supposed to be fairly accurate, according to people who know that sort of thing. Good God. This is absolutely amazing. It's got mm. young Eastwood in that. Yeah. It is It is absolutely amazing. Scott Eastwood, not a younger Clint Eastwood. Dropping mm. these guys. And, you know, this, this is not new. We've, we've talked to... Um, oh, the guy who wrote The Perfect Storm. Who Sebastian also wrote book, Younger. Yeah, he wrote Restrepo. Um, and... Uh, and there's a uh, film documentary entitled Restrepo, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. Jake Tapper has got a book and a in a movie that he put out about a friend of his who is over there. So none of this is you know necessarily new, but but watching this movie, we just we would drop in by a helicopter these Marines and say, "Good luck with your next six months here," you know, surrounded by rocks. Fighting the Taliban every day for some reason. What's our ultimate goal here? Why do we need these particular rocks? As Joe said, in six weeks we'll determine we don't need these rocks. Just, it's just absolutely incredible. Right. Seek out the enemy and engage them for twenty years. Yeah. <sighs> well, if, you, anyway. if you're into that sort of thing, though, it's really well done. It's one of the best done war movie type things I've ever seen. Hmm. So, uh, speaking of crises and chaos, the border is just melting down. The Biden administration is finally admitting it. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has actually uh, put the word out to his troops that we're completely overwhelmed. We need all of you to volunteer during your off hours and off days to deal with all of these humans. That sounds like a crisis. That have been uh, invited by the... Uh, the president's policy. You know what? I was about to paraphrase Brit Hume, and I think he puts it brilliantly in clip 32. Uh, let's just go ahead and roll that. And we're loath to call it a crisis. Um, they're calling it a challenge. Maybe we can agree on a better term, a hell of a mess. 
Uh, it took him a while. He went through many fits and starts and problems. Uh, but Donald Trump and his administration eventually got that border situation down there under pretty good control through a combination of the wall to uh, the uh, uh, agreements with, uh, with the neighboring countries to hold back some of these immigrants and have them apply for asylum from, from their countries and so on. Uh, and Biden came in, basically blew it all up. And now we got a mess on our hands, an entirely predictable consequence of a kind of willy-nilly set of executive actions, undoing executive actions and other measures taken by the previous administration. Uh, it's clear to me now that, that for, for all political purposes, uh, Mr. Biden and his team now own this problem. Well, and the reason I really wanted to play that, I think he makes an excellent point. For all the flaws of the Trump administration dealing with immigration, they finally got it right. And the situation was everybody had realistic expectations. In the Central American countries that a lot of these migrants are coming from, in Mexico, at the border, within the agencies, everybody knew how it was supposed to work. And you didn't have hundreds and hundreds of kids unaccompanied being hurled across the border by coyotes to to endure God knows what fate people's asylum applications were being dealt with in an orderly fashion and biden could have come in and said hey we want to give three times as many people asylum and not just knee jerk blown up everything the trump administration did leading to this chaos it was irresponsible i also think it's true that biden now owns this story politically he's not going to be able to blame anything on anything trump did in the past it's his to deal with armstrong and getty The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, the Dow had a new record today. It's been setting records. The NASDAQ's been going the other direction, though. Friday, it closed having lost all the gains for the year. And yesterday, yesterday actually went into negative territory for the year. But yeah, it's, I happened uh, to be watching the useless uh, stock report at the end of the day and said, what the hell happened to the NASDAQ? It got murdered. It's recovered some today, but, uh, you know, I'm not a day trader, so what it does today isn't that important. But I, I didn't realize it lost all the gains for the year. Brutal. Hmm. What are you going to do? What are you Investors gonna do? souring on tech stocks. I think it's, uh, what was your story? Uh, NASDAQ plunges as news of Biden's dog bite. Reaches investors. They always and make up some crap as to why things go up or down. I, I guess there was one reason it went in the direction it did, and every stock went in the same direction. I'll, I'll see if I can summarize this quickly. Uh, I was listening to a high-level conversation, and they were uh, implying that it, it was tied to interest rates. And with interest, or not interest, inflation rising on the horizon, people are starting to move away from the quote-unquote growth stocks because... Uh, for various financial yeah. reasons, but they, so they they, yeah. they have concerns about inflation, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh boy, they should. Oh god, they I should. I don't need any more crisis. I need a break from crises. You know what you need? You need a street walking prostitute, Jack. What <laughs> now? <laughs> that would relax you. Would it? That doesn't sound relaxing. The progressive experiment in Cal Unicornia continues. California's anti-loitering law is so vague that innocuous factors such as wearing tight clothing, talking to pedestrians, or standing on the wrong street can lead to a prostitution charge, according to activists pushing for a change. No, it can't. No, it doesn't. And no, it can't. But 
LGBTQ and racial justice advocates want legislators to repeal the law on the grounds that it leads to disproportionate police enforcement against women of color and transgender women. This is a beautiful example of how ridiculous disparate impact is as a tool for analysis. State Senator Scott Weiner of San Francisco, who wants everybody fornicating on the street all the time. <laughs> he believes yeah, that he a link for that. That's a that's quite the <laughs> he believes in no freedom whatsoever except sexual freedom. Property rights, right to earn a living, the rest of it he has no interest in. But in terms of, like, rubbing your genitals together, he's a big fan of that. Uh, As am I, (laughs) full disclosure, just, you know, within the privacy of one's own home. But listen to this reasoning, (laughs) this this non-reasoning masquerading as reasoning. Uh, There's a 1995 law that prohibits loitering in public places with the, quote, intent to commit prostitution. He says the wording is so arbitrary, it's inevitably led to bias in how police and prosecutors use it. It's all based on profiling, so not surprisingly, the people who are being profiled are largely trans women and black and Latinx women. Largely? I doubt that. And he says Latinx. It's, again, another white guy telling Latinos how to speak your language. Don't you? Let me tell you, brown people, how to speak. You don't know how to speak. You don't know how to refer to yourself. I, a college-educated white person, will tell you. Well, it sounds to me like I could be standing outside the Circle K in my skinny jeans and get arrested for prostitution. Oh, yeah. It's just an awful law, he says. They can only be enforced by profiling and stereotyping. Hey, Scott. Private me to you. I'm serious now. You've listened to the show before. I know you have. We've heard from you. You seriously think cops can't tell a street-walking prostitute from a black girl who's just standing on the corner waiting for the bus? Or a Latina who is walking home with her groceries from a prostitute? Or a transgender gal or guy who's just, you know, I don't know what they're doing. They're enjoying the sunset versus somebody who's a streetwalking prostitute. Do you really think that? Or do you just really want all sexual activity of all kinds, including the one thing that everybody agrees on? You can't have streetwalking prostitutes in neighborhoods. You just want everything legal. Got nothing to do with racism, please. I don't want any white street walking prostitutes on my street either. Here's this woman who testifies in this article, in the San Francisco Chironicle. Many of us don't have the privilege of passing as a non-transgendered woman, and we get stopped, we get questions. Often we're just uh, hanging out, um, and, uh, and, and, and they cite the example of somebody being harassed who's a transgender sex worker. You can't have a sex worker say, I'm being singled out as a sex worker and it's unfair. You're a sex worker. They're right. You can tell me they've singled you out for the wrong reason, but if you are a sex worker, it's hard to make too big a deal of it. Right. The cops that singled me out as a guy who likes bourbon based on uh, my sport coat. Eh, eh, it's unfair. Are you a guy who likes bourbon? Well, yeah, quite a bit. Come on. We got any women listen who were ever singled out and questioned because they thought you were a prostitute when you were just like standing on the corner or waiting for a bus or something? Text line four one five two nine five KFTC. I doubt that happens very often. And include pics. No, oh, <laughs> that was beneath you, and that's a statement. I don't know. I've been stretching a lot. <laughs> I, I can know. get down lower. I don't know. <laughs> 
I think you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you knew me. All these years. Oh, boy. All right. Okay. And uh, sixth grade choir teacher. You know, I meant to do this all day long. All all the show long. Finally getting to it. Here's what you don't understand. The woke, intersectional, critical race theory teacher activist types, they are going to inject that stuff into every class. We're going to try. Not social classes, not government classes. No, no, every class. Here's a sixth grade choir teacher who separated all the kids into uh, groups uh, by types of oppression. They separate the kids into privileged and targeted categories during what the school called a social-emotional lesson, a struggle section in choir class. They didn't get any musical instruction. Instead, they got a heavy dose of intersectional brainwashing from their choir teacher, one Odellis Anderson. In an introductory note, Anderson told students, last week we talked about how hard it is to talk about race. This is choir class now. And the level of difficulty is different for different people. For people who are privileged, it's much easier to talk about race and other race issues. So we're going to separate all of you. You need to fill out the questionnaire. Are you a privileged group or a target group? Racism, sexism, religious oppressism, heterosexism, xenophobia. They had to fill out this chart and then go to corners of the room and get stared at. This is in choir class. Ask your kids if they're getting this stuff in school. You might be surprised by the answer. Yeah, it's it's troubling. Um, and there, there's an attempt to pass a law. Is it Arizona did pass a law or trying to pass a law where they this the school has to let you know everything they're teaching your kid? Ooh, that's interesting. I yeah. missed that. And uh, they're hoping to push that to other states because it is damned troubling. You know, I I find out a lot of things or have in the past that that my son is learning just because he happens to mention it. I don't know. You know, I look at his school papers and stuff like that, but that doesn't cover the whole eight hours of instruction every single day. Mm-hmm. Well, and a lot of these activist types are fully aware how y'all would react if you knew your kid was being indoctrinated in choir class or, or what have you, and so they, they make sure it's on the QT. Yeah, I just found it. Arizona last week, Arizona full Senate passed a bill requiring public schools to fully disclose classroom learning materials and content online. And then Christopher Rufo, who's been fighting this battle a lot, you see him on Tucker Carlson sometimes, said every state should pass a similar bill. Parents have a right to know what the schools are teaching their children. We must shine a light on the radicals who seek to transform education into political activism. No doubt about that. Amen. I'm on board with that. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, we'll finish strong. Oh, God, I got another example of that. Um, I got another example of that. And some other things to finish with. Uh, that's what we do here. We just to just keep the momentum moving forward until we get to the finish line. Then we collapse. Joe, Joe Biden's dog ate like five people in the White House too. Right, we got that. just tuning in. But we push hard to the end of the show, and then we just collapse, spent. We leave it all in the field every single day. When the show's over, just laying here. I almost always vomit too. At the end of the show. <laughs> all that on the way. Have you considered being good at your jobs? Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. No, I, I prefer my water to be room temperature or warmer. That's so gross. Why is it gross? Because cold water is refreshing. Mm. 
Cools warm the body. water is what? Dehydrating? Warm water is gross. It's got bacteria in it, for one thing. It's teeming with bugs. <laughs> Algae. I'm pretty sure you're making all this up. I'm, here's some icy cold water right here. Mmm. Mmm, so refreshing. No, I prefer warm water. Absolutely. That is so odd. That is strange. Um... Arizona teaching material suggests babies need anti-racism guidance. Oh, God. Racist babies. You racist, lazy, pooing yourself baby. Which brought me to this. There's some sort of critical race theory forum Zoom seminar thing with all the usual suspects speaking. And uh, one of their promo ads for it. CRT Wisdom, Raising White Children from Robin D'Angelo. Oh, God. Raising white children to be white is a form of child abuse, she says. She's the person that wrote the book White Fragility, which, according to one of my favorite liberals, Matt Tybee, is horse S. Yes. (laughs) That's a quote. That's a quote. Illogical, idiotic, manipulative garbage. God dang it. Teaching this in schools, it's really something. Man, if you subject your kids to any of this, you are a child abuser. Yep. Uh, TMZ out with a story today. You've heard about the magic of air fryers. It's time to try one out. Man, I, I just feel like the world, God is telling me, the world is telling me to get an air fryer. Joe and Sean have them. They like them. Mm. I'm going to actually have to read this story about how babies need anti-racism guidance. I don't know what you do for a baby. Get your baby an air fryer. They'll be better off. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, the studies uh, the studies have been done through the years that are very well known that babies prefer faces of their own race. Shocking. That makes them racist. No, that makes the birds of a, fle- a feather flock together. It's an ancient saying. It doesn't mean anybody should have their rights trampled on or there should be violence or racism or discrimination of any kind. On the other hand, to claim that babies are racist, you are an idiot. Texas University is a big deal. Very large college. Hook em horns. Their fight song is The Eyes of Texas. Uh, it has no racist intent, the fight song, but was used in racist stead- settings throughout the school's history, a committee has decided. So they think they're going to have to eliminate the Texas fight song in the eyes of Texas. Well, haven't, It has like, no racist intent, but remember, intent doesn't matter. It was used in racist settings, but so weren't like fondue and little meatballs used in racist settings, too, at the racist potluck? And are they banned now? <laughs> I don't know. Shoelaces were used in racist settings, too. I have it on good authority. Um, of course, I don't know the words to that song. They it, might be repugnant. In a tweet praising Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, for his leadership, Representative Madison Cawthorn says Twitter won't let him send a tweet praising the governor. Now, I don't know what the tweet exactly said. I'd have to look into that. But... Because the governor is anti-mask, and that goes against the CDC guidance, Twitter did say they will not allow any tweets that go against CDC guidelines. So I guess this person tweeting praise of that decision, yeah, you couldn't have that on Twitter. I get it. Jack Dorsey, number one, eat. Eat something. You look like you're dying. Number two, quit trying to bring some sort of ideal communications utopia to Twitter. Let people tweet. I don't know. You know, maybe he's just an ideologue and he really just wants ideas he likes on his platform. And that's fine. I just wish he'd be honest about it. Either that or he's just so faint from, from lack of food. Can't pay attention. 
You can't concentrate. Oh, and one more thing on the uh, the big COVID relief thing, uh, money that's in there that you don't know about. It's passing. It's going to pass. It will become law. It is a thing. Uh, the New York Times, Mary Williams Walsh and Alan Rappaport report that the Democrats' $2 trillion pandemic relief bill provides $86 billion to bail out private pensions. That has absolutely, quoting the New York Times piece, this is a piece by a couple of uh, right-leaning economists, but um, this pension bailout has absolutely, quote, nothing to do with the pandemic. The money lets these funds pay tax retirees their full pensions and comes with no strings attached. Such use of taxpayer dollars is almost unheard of. Wow. And, obviously, it doesn't require that the pensions get their act together. A lot of these pensions have been operated poorly for years. That's why they ran out of money and went bankrupt. They're being bailed out under the guise of pandemic relief and with no strings attached. Wow, that's unbelievable. And do they explain exactly what groups are getting those dollars, what sort of pensions and that sort of thing? It doesn't have the list We can do a deeper dive tomorrow. Um, As they said, such use of taxpayer dollars is almost unheard of. To cut employers' labor costs and free up money for wages, many of these plans for years promised, we all know this, for many companies for years they promised benefits that they couldn't pay for without setting aside enough money to pay for them, hoping to make up the shortfall via aggressive investing or magic. Yet in, bear mar- beans. yet in bear markets, they lose a lot of money, and struggling employers can't afford to chip in more. Alas, the legislation does nothing to change that dynamic. So the incredibly poor plan of promising employees more than you could afford and poorly investing gets bailed out by the rest of us for no freaking good reason under the American recovery plan plan exactly yes so the government is going to take your money by force if you don't believe me tell the irs you're not going to pay and see whether fellows with guns don't come and take you away by force government's going to take your money by force and give it to other people to ensure their votes this is some serious socialism in this plan and i'm I'm not sure many people right or left are going to know anything about it And as always, with socialism, the most powerful and wealthy will be those who decide where the money will flow. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Oh, this is always a good time. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. Michelangelo, technical director, pressing the buttons. Final thought? Yeah, I'm thinking about taking my stimulus money that I receive and going to invest in the stock market. Learn the stock market, finally. Really sit down and study it. Yeah, it's a good idea. Sean's a good guy to learn from. He's put yeah, a lot of effort absolutely. into it. Absolutely. There you go. Speak of the devil. There he is, the producer, Positive Sean. Sean, final thought? Yeah, today that I learned that retail investors, kind of going off of what Michelangelo's talking about, uh, account for almost as much volume in the market as mutual funds and hedge funds combined. Wow. Didn't know that. Did not know that. Another pearl of wisdom. Uh, Jack, do you have a final thought for us all? So I mentioned I got my son a smartwatch for his birthday, and he was able to send me his first text of his life the other day. And we'll be texting pals now for as long as I'm alive. Gotta taper taper off a little bit, though. I'm hoping the enthusiasm... I haven't put any limits on it yet, but he's pretty enthusiastic about the old checking in with a little <laughs> nugget here and there like 50 times an hour. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's nice. Uh, my final thought is uh, Chief Justice John Roberts, in his first ever solo dissent, he was the one in an eight to one decision. It was actually a somewhat interesting uh, case about discussing religion on campus and campus speech laws, but the kids sued his former school for a dollar, and Robert said, Look, you're turning the court into advice columnists. There's nothing at stake here. Who cares what our opinion is? What are we doing? Wow, that's really interesting. How often does that happen where there's an 8-1? All your colleagues disagree with you. Yeah, it's it's pretty rare and kind of weird that it would be Roberts, the centrist, who would be that one. You know, maybe I'll give you a little more of that tomorrow during the show if you uh, uh, will privilege us by tuning in. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have a lot of great clicks for you. You can get some A&G swag. Very nice. A stupid should hurt t-shirt, for instance. Email us. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. This is something we ought to be talking about. Send it along. Yeah, that'd be cool. Go to armstrongandgetty.com at least ten times a day, I think is a good idea. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. I just want to thank you both, and I want to thank the, the, the uh, my, my, uh... Sorry, can't do this. What? I'm gonna call my lawyer. Gonna. Go away! I'm done with this. No, 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 sorry. Oh, okay. I just don't want to see that. I say Come on now. This is it. Here, boo. Yay, game over. Let's go home. Adios, mofo. Absolutely diabolical behavior. I had not heard that before. That certainly sounds stupid. Bravo. On that high note, thank you all very much. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty.